Welcome to his face. Welcome to Leeds United We Stand podcast. My name's Andy Mitten. Um, I'm in a pub in downtown Salt Lake City. Podcast is brought to you by RedArmyBet.com. It's a new uh, betting website uh, where money goes back into United fan projects. I'm sat around a table with some United fans who've travelled a long way to be here. Um, what's your name, mate? Where are you from? Kevin Bessick. You've been on before, Kev. You're the proud owner of the Bezik flag. Why'd you always fucking pick on me first? <laughs> you, you sort of. So tell me about your <laughs> tell me about your trip so far. It's been okay. A uh, couple of days in LA. Lost our bag, so the, the trip there was ruined. Uh, once we got there, we're on the way down to Salt Lake. It's been good. You doing the full tour? Yeah, doing the tour. And uh, not doing Oslo and Dublin as well. Yeah, doing Oslo and Dublin. So manager wants shooting for the way he's organised it backwards and forwards. Who's your tour manager? No, well, don't know who the tour right. manager. United's tour manager. In right. general. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, because they've they've put the team in LA and they've pinged back and forward. So yeah. Houston to San Francisco makes no sense, does it? You're going no. right back on no. yourself. Backwards and forwards. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that they I don't think they probably put too much consideration in, into that What's your name from? Peter from Arnside in Cumbria <laughs> And tell us about your trip so far Peter You're living in Arnside, have you come over? or you Come over on a holiday, tell my sister-in-law move house and uh, I decided to take a break from my wife and her sister and came here Just <laughs> to Salt Lake? Or to, been no, just to Salt well. Lake, yeah Okay, so you're just, just doing the one game? I'm just doing that one game, yes, though. And, chance. And you know some of the lads and you've arranged to meet up with them? I do, yeah. yeah. So, you normally got matches from our side? Uh, not that often these days. I used to, but I used to be a lifelong fan. But, uh, I've, I've always been a United fan. My granddad worked for them uh, when I was in 68. I used to go to the staff canteen uh, with Lord Leston Charm. What, what did he do? He just uh, had a part-time job and he retired. He used to have United pools. And he used to, you know, take the books and sort them, you know, he's a pensioner by then. And, but he, he used to get us into the uh, training ground and all sorts of stuff. You know? So I've always been a fan since then, that was in 1968. Yeah. Uh, Nigel from Chester in the UK. Tell us about your trip, Nigel. Uh, a British version of the full tour this time. Um, I've been staying with uh, my friend in Chicago for three days. Uh, then come down to Salt Lake, going over to Houston and then back from there. And how's it been gone? Really well, yeah, love Chicago. I love Chicago as a city anyway. Uh, it wasn't as humid as uh, has been in the past, so it was uh, pretty pretty comfortable there. Yeah. Are you coming on this? Look at him, just like <laughs> John Paul. What was the treat of Utrecht? The treat, the treat of Utrecht? Um, do you mean the Maastricht Treaty or do you mean the Treaty? <laughs> no, I mean the Treaty of Utrecht. Uh, order said the Maastricht Treaty for the Maastricht Treaty. Uh, I just wanted to check because, you know, the Treaty of Utrecht, I'd, I'd, I'd have to Google that one, haven't I? Remind me, what was it? I have heard of the Treaty of Utrecht. It just escaped me. Escaped me uh, I'm actually asking questions here that I don't know the answer to. It. I think. Well, that's not, not the first time. No, it's not the first time. I think it's the, um, previous I think it's the one which gave Gibraltar just to the Spanish. Up. Oh, the cheating you take, yeah, possibly. Possibly. Well, yeah, let's see. Yeah, Andy, here, yeah, he's going off. <laughs> right, there's some people coming in into the, the pub now. Ned, where are you from? Uh, Zig, um, where am I from? I live in Chicago mostly now, but I come from Manchester originally. And you travel on, you've, you've been coming on these trips for years? Yeah. 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 Why? Because I can't find his way home. <laughs> <laughs> 
never got a fucking pint in the night. Just to say, really, it's not so much to see United, it's just to spend time with friends and see, uh, see new places. And, how and, then, uh, and then, to be honest, I'm an addict, I just have to go to the games. And how's Salt Lake City? Because I've only been here a couple of hours, it doesn't seem the most exciting place in the world. I agree. <laughs> how, fucking Bible bashes. How are, you, how are you all feeling about United this season? Are you you're confident that they'll do well, that they'll improve? Kev? I think they will, yeah. Signings up to now have been good. They said that our position certainly needs starting out for the last, well, since way before Fergie went to be quite truthful. If we want to be winning the Champions League, if we want to be winning the Premiership, we need a strong centre-half pairing. And we've not had that for a good few years now. You watch a lot of the young teams at United. You go to the games? Yeah. What, the 23s, the 18s? The 18s as well. Who should fans be looking out for? We've got a young lad coming through up front called uh, Aidan Barlow. He's knocking them in. Certainly uh, excellent. Uh, and we've got a lad in the... Uh, Dare I say the under 12s called Harley O'Grader. The under 12s? <laughs> <laughs> <Are you f> <laughs> you should be locked up. Called, called Harley O'Grader, who's right. hopefully going to make the match. Right. I think you've just mentioned someone who you know there, haven't you? Is that, is that the son of one of your mates? <coughs> yeah, he's right. Son of one of the <laughs> Doesn't take away from the fact that he's a fantastic footballer. Where's he from? Age. Miles Platin. Right. It'd be great if a lad from Miles Platin yeah, came yeah. through. Who was the last player from Miles Platin to break into United's first Kevin team? Donald. Kevin Donald. <laughs> last player from Miles Platin. Last player from Miles Platin to get in United's first I've team. We had the players from Collier's, but Miles Platin. I think, and I'll soon be notified if I'm wrong, Remy Moses. Sorry, Remy. Yeah, he did. Yes! Look at his face. He's devil pulled that one right out the bag, haven't I? How you feel about United this season? Confident. I think they'll do well, you know. They've made good signings. They've got a good defence. I think, you know, City have only got one defender, Vincent Company. Chelsea have got an own goal getting rid of Costa, right? So I think we've got a good chance, you know. We're one of the favourites, I'd say. How do you think United will do this season, Dick? Yeah, I think we're... I think... We probably won't win the league, but I think we're still there's still some of the problems that you know post Fergie or even the last season or two with Fergie in charge. It's had a kind of effect. It's not that the players don't have the ability. There's something psychological, and that clearly Mourinho is dealing with it. But it's going to take time. So if we're seriously challenging, you know, I'll be happy with that. We need, to me, what who we need is we need. That sort of defensive midfield player that's going to anchor, and probably, given the problems we've had scoring over the last few years, another someone else who could not, you know, who could consistently or even semi-consistently score goals. We, we still need that. So two more signings, really, for me. But the holding midfield player is vital. We can't expect Carrick to carry us this season. How do you feel about Romelu Lukaku? I'd rather him than Morata or any of the other people that were mentioned because at least he knows how to play in the Premier League. Say Morata again. Morata. Putting a Spanish accent on, eh? <laughs> Tell him in the company of academics here, can't I? <laughs> that was my Italian version. <laughs> Morata from Stoke. <laughs> United this season, are you more confident than this time last year or, or last 
Yeah, 100% more confident. Um, like probably everybody else around the table, I'm not confident we can actually win it, but I think we'll certainly be fighting for it, put up a proper show, you know, maybe top two. Um, but whether we can win it or not, maybe a step too far this early. John Paul, do you think they'll improve on, on last season? Yeah, I'm not sure about the tree. Are you sure it's going to survive? Um on the next couple of years because obviously uh, the way the political situation is in Europe and <laughs> so what, what do you think of Brexit? Um, well, clearly it's all going to go wrong because it's been done by fucking idiots but <laughs> that, that's the top of the bottom of it but uh, it's been done by fucking idiots. in terms of you know what can you say what can you say uh, listen I'll, I'll be fine because I've got my Irish passport unlike <laughs> myself who's <laughs> yeah, scrambling around for some German citizenship so uh-huh. Imagine if I've got a get... You might well get kicked out of Spain, yeah, Andrew. Imagine <laughs> if I've got to get a German passport. My grandfather will turn in his grave. He fought against him, and now, because my wife, I think I've married like Rommel's granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can get a German passport that way. I'm hoping it doesn't come yeah, to there'll that. There'll probably have Spanish to be one. a new treaty of Utrecht if that happens. And incidentally, it's more to do with the balance of power in Europe than actual. But just Gibraltar was a side issue with that. And You've went... just been reading this on Google. You didn't know what the treaty of Utrecht was. You've had to Google. Google it, and now you're giving me, you're just rereading uh, Wikipedia back to me. How will Manchester United do this season? They'll play 38 football matches. <laughs> do you think they'll finish higher than six? It's a simple question. What's that game show, higher or lower? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, you, you, may, you may as well ask him on that. No, realistically, I think it probably will be higher, but depends on how many cards are on the deck, doesn't it, really? <laughs> I'd go top three to be And in Europe, you think they're still somewhere short? Well, they're in Europe. Uh, Brexit's not implemented yet, so I think they're still looking good for Europe. To be honest. <laughs> I know. I know we're joking a bit here, but the club actually are worried about the implications of Brexit on, on, on the Premier League. Is that a question or is that a statement? It's a statement, and I'm offering you a chance to put an opinion to it. You can add a question mark to it if you want. <laughs> I still don't know what the question is, but in terms of in terms of the statement, oh well, I'm not. Obviously, United will be worried because it creates uncertainty, doesn't it? But um, so that's obviously a good thing. If Edward has got to do got to do a bit more for his money, you know, making way. Which areas of the team do United need to strengthen? Um, well, it depends who we've got in August, doesn't it? I mean, if if the gay goes, goalkeeper, but I don't know, that's up in the air. I presume it'll be, you know. But on the basis of last season, clearly we need to uh, improve in the striking department, but now we've lost Rooney, perhaps we don't. Um, <laughs> How did you feel about Rooney leaving? <laughs> Re- Listen, Rooney, Rooney was a very good player for United, but for, as far as I'm concerned, he was never the same player after he limped off in Munich in 2010. Um, he still had his moments, he still had his great moments like he did against City in the derby with the overhead kick. But he's allowed his lifestyle to overtake him. He's never, he's never, he's never the same heights. Even even though his goal-scoring record was always, he was always quite good in terms of playing. Performance-wise, he was, he was never the same player that he was before 2010, as far as I was concerned. And I think that's where a lot of criticism comes in, especially when you add that to his dalliance with City, and then you can see why a lot of fans went off him, even though he still got support on the ground. 
He's he's a good player, and, he, and in time, Rooney for me has a very low stock. But in twenty years' time, he'll be one. Of, he'll be up, regarded as one of United's all-round all greats, all-time great son. And that will mainly be on the basis of what he did from 2004 to 2010, rather than anything beyond that. Ro- Ro- Rooney's gone. I'll come to you in a second. Zick. Cristiano Ronaldo was linked with a move back to United. Do you think he was just pissing the club about? Because I did. Always has done. But always, who knows what will happen in the future. Always has done. Would you have Ronaldo back? No. Once you leave United, don't want him back. You think once you've gone, you've gone? Don't want him back. Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes was brilliant. I was buzzing when he came back. When he came back to play the testimonial game, I made a big poster saying come home Sparky and got in the Stretford end two hours early for testimonial match and held it up and I don't think he looked at it once but it still worked because he joined three weeks, three weeks later. <laughs> think you wanted to say something about Rooney? I think there are, Rooney in many ways is the most interesting player we've had at United for a very long time and it's the contradictions that JP was talking about and I think that on the one hand he was somebody who was willing to give everything to United in a way that lots of other players, you just don't feel that. And a lot of the criticism is unfair and the people didn't recognise you know, the level of commitment that he had. But on the other hand, there was you know, a substantial part of him which would not, you know, where what you term lifestyle or life choices, you know, was never, was never going to allow him to really fulfil what he wanted to do at United, which was really to give everything and to win things and to function as a role model. And these kinds of complex, most players are sanitised. And in a sense with him, there's a story that really probably won't be told until he's retired, etc. But to really look at the kind of the complexities of the things going on inside him. And, and to me, it's always struck me a bit like Beckham, you know, the kind of standard view was Beckham was stupid, Beckham was that. What Beckham has revealed actually, that he may not have had a formal education, he may have spoken with a particular accent, but he's somebody who's got a highly functioning brain. And I think Rooney, at times, reveals that there's someone there with a highly functioning brain. It may not work in the ways in which people should be, intelligent people in inverted commas should conventionally work, but there's someone that there's a lot going on there. And I'm kind of interested about what, you know, not either what the crap you get on the tabloids or the stupidities that people say in the pub, but really this highly complex person who in the end never managed to achieve what he could have achieved and what he was clearly aspiring to achieve. And that sort of self-destructiveness is fascinating. Some answer that, Zig. I've got to ask you the horse question after that. Would you would you rather be bummed by a horse and nobody knew, or not bummed by a horse but everyone thought you had been? Stick that in your academic mix. That's much too rich for me. Come on, Rio Ferdinand's answered this one. So you can get. I think it's got to be. You're a bit keen to answer. Have you got any, <laughs> any past experience here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think you know about it if I did. <laughs> <laughs> on, many, on many levels. Um, two, more, two more questions. What do you think of Mourinho and, and is he the right man to take United forward? John Paul? Well, to be honest, I, I, would, I advocate, I didn't say necessarily one. I advocate Mourinho taking over in 2013 after Fergie because in terms of his attitude, his arrogance, he was clearly the only person 
qualified for the job, given his track record obviously as a manager, two European Cups at the time. Um, and the idea that Ferguson went for, <laughs> well, the person he went for, and that United fans lapped it up on the basis of Fergie stands on the pitch and goes, it's your duty now to support your manager. Well, United fans abdicated that duty pretty, pretty quickly. I agree. I agree. Um, and you know, when it comes down to it, if it's just, it should never have been in Fergie's position to do that because the, the position of Fergie and sort of person that he was, the suspicion of cynical types like myself, there's always Never. gonna, I don't know what you mean Andrew, but um, there's always certainly gonna be anyway that he would never want someone to outshine him that followed him. Uh, whether that's justifiable or not, well, he did pick David Moyes, so I'm sure your listeners could judge for themselves on that basis and on what, what happens subsequently to that. Um, so, realistically, if, if Mourinho, to be honest though, if Mourinho had followed Fergie at that time, I do think he was burnt out by Madrid a little bit. His Madrid experience and been over, overshadowed by Guardiola at the time, and maybe that little break in between will probably make him a better United manager in the long run. But, and he said that, I wasn't overly, I certainly wasn't overly impressed by my season. Say yeah, Europa League, League Cup. Um, certainly, if the Europa League had not ended the way it did, a lot, of, United, a that, lot of United fans, you know, that's a one-off game. All right, we won it, so yeah. his gamble is paid off. Blah, blah, blah. Um, we're in the Champions League this year. He's had the money to spend. Track the plays he wants. Fine, but what I was talking to someone. Uh, a little while earlier on this Saturday and the way I watch the football and the performances and the results if Van Gaal had overseen that if he just, everything else was exactly the same but Van Gaal was the manager of Aaron Mourinho United fans would have been uproar on the, on the back of the previous two seasons that Van Gaal had overseen but because it was Mourinho it was new it was fresh he got a lot of leeway I don't see that leeway being granted this season coming up Performances and the results need to improve a lot more, I think. Kev, Jose? I wanted him as soon as Fergie retired. For me, in many ways, as a modern day Brian Clough. The club was scared of Brian Clough in the 70s. They were scared of Jose when uh, Fergie retired. The appointment after Fergie was a joke. Uh, Louis Van Gaal was a great manager in his day, but it just didn't work out for him at Old Trafford, but I'm happy with Jose. I think he'll turn it round and it's going to be good. Yeah, I'm happy with Jose. I think he's been successful. My only worry is will he stay long enough to build it into something you know, that's successful over 10 years. He's never done that yet. He seems to have mellowed a bit recently. Let's hope that's the sign of the future. You know? Otherwise, what he's doing seems to be right. Yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with Mourinho, given that the club was in a, to put it politely, a mess by the time he took over. It's going to take time to, to rectify. And I, as I mentioned earlier, to me, I think it's, it's quite, that the situation's quite complex there. And it, it, you know, to say, oh, there's something psychological that's preventing the players to develop or that they've been 
in some ways frustrated by previous managerial regimes, that's not going to change. That's going to take time. The new players have to integrate with these other players who, are, who in my view, some of them are carrying serious baggage. And that what Mourinho's done is that he is changing the attitude and the mentality. And also that, in a sense, what he's getting very good at, which was Fergie was extremely able at as well, which was to deflect attention away from the players, let the players get on and play, and let him, you know, in a sense, take the... If the press wanted to focus on him, let let the manager become the story. So you're dictating, actually, that you're controlling to a certain extent the kind of press you're getting. And Mourinho's brilliant at that. And I think the players, you know, we've, we seem to have some fragile personalities, you know, without mentioning any names. And, and Mourinho's someone who... Mention names again, mention names. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be sued like you. You can't get sued for opinion. Uh, that, you know, he's actually slowly restoring a degree of confidence in the players. And I have no problem people being criticised, you know, publicly when he decides, because it's clearly he's arrived at a point where he feels that's the only way. In any other job, people get criticised. What, what's wrong with that? Why, does, why is that even a story? Before I ask Nigel about Mourinho, I'm going to ask you after this. Tell us a great moment in your United supporting career. Maybe something that's not, you know, the last minute in camp now. Just pick a moment that you've done hundreds, thousands of games between you. You've travelled the world watching United. Um, a moment which was just special to you, and it might have been a winner at Norwich. Uh, it might have been, you know, a train ride to, to Aston Villa. But you've got some fantastic memories among yourselves. Just pick a great United moment. The greatest moment I think watching United for me was in Turin at half time in '99. When, but that, that's a bit obvious. Maybe. Think of another great moment because some of you lads are a little bit older than me. You've been watching them since the sixties. While well, Nigel tells about tells us whether he thinks Mourinho is the man. <clears throat> yeah, I've got to agree with the consensus of opinion around the table. Yeah, I think he's the right man. He came at a time of change in the club. Well, gone through three years of change, which weren't great for the club. A lot of sorting out to do. A lot of older players to weed out. A lot of. Um, Assessments that he made are they the right players, and obviously a lot of them weren't and aren't still. Maybe um, he's managed to get rid of Rooney during the summer, and yeah, for all his great things he's done in the past, Rooney he was past his best over the last three, four years. We all know that he's got rid of him now, so he hasn't got to sort of um, worry about that. As well, I also think that the Lukaku signing may be really positive, and everybody says it's 75 million, but when you look. Goal scorer has always been premium price. You go back as far as Dennis Lord in 1961 when he signed for us for whatever it was, 110,000. Everybody said it was a world record. Ridiculous price of money for a footballer. Well, you know, what a legend he turned out to be. I'm not saying Lukaku will do the same thing, but I think he'll give us more options than when we had Zlatan up front last year because I think Zlatan, despite scoring a lot of goals, also meant we didn't score as many as we should have done because he was immobile, whereas Lukaku is far more mobile. And I think. If it had been playing for us last season, all them chances we had against teams like Swansea and all the other teams who couldn't score against Old Trafford particularly, you know, if he gets the ball three times he might only score one goal, but he'd have still scored 20 goals for us last season in that box, with the ball coming in as it was. So, I think we're getting there slowly. It won't happen overnight. Pick a moment, Kev. 
greatest moment ever following United for me was chilling that night in 99. Yeah. We gave the best club team in the world at the time a two-goal start on their own pitch. And we beat them 3-2. I was actually jibbed in the Juventus right. side of the ground <laughs> that night for a change. Yeah. Uh, I thought you had had a fully valid ticket and presented it to the gate man two hours before kick-off. That was uh, somebody else. Uh, no, I jibbed the Juventus side that night with the VIPs and yeah. they were just dismissing United that night. And, but I'd say a bit arrogant you they were. Kids and, on the end, Kev. and the uh, <laughs> when the first one went <laughs> when the first one went in, they were still a little arrogant. The second one went in, they were getting uh, a little worried, and the third one went in, they were just on the floor. But that night at Juventus, yeah, it was the most the greatest night following Manchester United yeah. even the Eclipse the final uh, the only other time I could think of is the Barcelona game all so yeah. the atmosphere but we're just having one moment because we've got five yeah. and we've got about two minutes but I, I agree with you on Chirino's also sat in the old men surrounded by people they were actually very generous when United went through I thought you got a crack then. I did get a crack. <laughs> yeah. Very generous with the fist. No, well, I, I was I was sat in the, in the main stand among sort of middle class fans, and that probably gave me a false sense of confidence. And when I walked round behind the curva, I, I wasn't hiding the fact that I was a United fan, and, and I got uh, I got booted in my thigh. So yeah, it was. Um, yeah, there was a, a lot of after the game. Our yeah. experience was slightly different. Yours was what? Well, I'm not going to ask you to run through your experience. That's another story. <laughs> did you get bumped by a zebra? <laughs> No, I didn't. Right, tell us a moment, John Paul. Great, well, and you've got to be different moments. Well, I would say the greatest game I've ever seen was Arsenal in the semi-final yeah. of until a week later when yeah. Arsenal, uh, Juve, as Kev's just said, superseded by him. You know, I spoke to lads who played I know, in that I game. I heard you say this. I heard you say this a week going on about players who played in it who were saying very different. But to me, Juve and Barry managed a week later and they played, the, there were such high intensity games at that time. He was not crying about being uh, tired and needing to be rested and all the rest of it. And that's what gets me now. It's just not that I've been trapped being all bastard and say miserable and you know, things aren't like they used to be but things like, it's not because players like Keane you don't hear them crying about being tired if there's a game ever played they go out and play it and they smash the opposition as best they can and that's exactly what we were 2-0 down there we were 3-1 down in aggregate against the best team Europe could see you know that decade AC Milan 89-90 no, and they were just un- unbelievable. They were superhuman the way Fergie picked them up after we lost in Chirini in '96, and we just played them off the park after that. Because it had every single United fan in that ground realised at the same time. Two, well, we had to score two to go through anyway. So two 0 break down makes no difference. Anyway, that's they're just the obvious ones. But one less obvious one that I would go for, just off the top of my head, a complete moment that was just unbelievable as a United fan. Well, in my head anyway. Was, um, we were going for the league against Blackburn in '95, and we were massively up against it. Camp now was obviously banned in, so we missed quite a bit of games as a, as a recall right there, probably. But we played Coventry away on a Monday night, I think it was. And I'll tell you what, he's got three. I'll tell you what, he bonded me for having two. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, it was the. We, we, we had to win to keep in a race to take the lead to the last day and all the rest of it and all whatever stage the season was and Andy Cole had a bit of a not a great season so far since he signed in January 
night and we won that night and I tell you what the atmosphere amongst the United was just unbelievable and I believe on Sky it's live on Sky I believe on Sky he said 5,000 United fans it sounds like 50,000 that sounds and it was just total total and utter defiance because as a United fan you felt you were cheering them to win that game just to give us a chance to carry on and potentially win the league at West Ham or where, you know, where we score. I think he got two, don't they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Andrew, I know you listen to this. Hope your health continues to improve. Is it the first time I won the league, Dennis Urban's called and we took nearly all the ground? Yeah, that was April 1993. I'm just conscious of the time here, because it's going to get up to the ground in Salt Lake Night. A moment. Right, there's various ones. I just want one. Yeah, but you're only going to get one. And I'll go for Crystal Palace away when we won 2 0, I think. Wednesday night, Tuesday night, uh, Blackburn had played Villa earlier in the evening. Oh, 15 minutes earlier, but Blackburn had got beat, or beat Villa 3-0, I think. Then Mike Newell got a hat-trick, actually. And uh, we went to Palace. United took over Sellers Park that Wednesday night, and we just come out of that ground, and you just knew we were going to win the league for the first time what since 67. 92, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, brilliant. Oh, 93. Not 92, 93. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, 92, 93 season. Yeah, away, yeah. yeah, and we played again at Sellers, didn't we, in the penultimate well, game? Yeah, the, well, Against it was Wimbledon. over by then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was yeah. over by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that night at uh, Palace, good one. unbelievable, yeah. Mine was uh, 1976 at Hillsborough. I was going to ask for a, 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 a gentleman of age, no? <laughs> yeah, uh, and I'll keep mine below the length of a Russian novel. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I was in the was... Leppings Lane end, yeah. the scene of such tragedy, what a death trap that was, but that's another story. Even that night? Even then, yeah, it was a, a Saturday afternoon. Uh, of course, everyone gets to Leppings Lane end at like five to three because it's at the end of the Snake Pack, which is like the worst traffic jam in history. Um, we got in there in a pen, you know, really tightly in a pen. Gordon Hill scored the first goal in the first half, great goal. And then 10, 20 minutes from the end, he got a free kick. It was a fluke. It hit the Derby County wall and went in. And at that moment, we had what was being clubs. I think Dave Mackay was the manager by then. Well, clubs imperious Derby side was in bits, you know. And we're chasing his young team around the field. You know the song that came out of that day? Um, uh, the, uh, the Eurovision song? Yeah. Bye bye, Derby, bye bye. Because we, uh, we beat you 2 0 with two goals from Gordon Hill. I, I once I stayed with Gordon in Dallas a few years ago and he sang it to me in the back garden. It was one of the best moments of my life. He was a great player and he suddenly yeah. he lost his careers a bit. Yeah, we went he never, to Derby, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> did. Was that song sung that day or did that come later? I think it came later, right. yeah. Just filling a tiny yeah, song, blanket. The, song would have been the only song I can remember that day was K Sarah Sarah, we're going to Wembley. Yeah. And I remember reading a newspaper report, it said that the, the Hillsborough Cop, which was Derby now, Yes, it, it, was, it, yeah. it, it was like a, a giant egg, yeah. all white, with but with bottle with bottle of ketchup <laughs> squirted over it. There was that many United fans yeah. in there. I thought it was very descriptive. Zig, finally, to, to conclude the podcast, although I'm just going to ask you for a one-word answer, where in the world would you love to see United play on a pre-season? Zig, tell me a moment, first of all. Uh, 85 Cup Final, Norman Whiteside... <laughs> United down to 10 men and I've never been, I think in all the time I've been at football, in an end that was such so overpacked as the United end behind the goal. And uh, that was the, that was the, the game where 
you know, the, the joke is, is that some, a lot of the blokes who were on the gates that day paid off their mortgages on the Monday morning. But it was just brilliant, you know. Get, I think we, when Moran got sent off, I think most of us had accepted that we were going to lose. Yeah, were brilliant. Uh, no, and we actually played very well. We should have had a penalty when, uh, towards the end when, uh, was it Jasper Olsen got taken out? You know, it was a clear penalty. And, did did uh, Olsen play in that game? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the ref didn't give us that penalty either. Moran probably should have gone off, to be fair, but it made it all the better. But there were, there were games which were, were kind of... You realise there were historic moments, like George Best's six goals at Northampton. You know, I was there, you know. And, and at Northampton then, it was basically a cricket ground that occasionally was a football ground. And which, to... which, which United player managed Northampton? I haven't, got a, I, I, I haven't got a clue. I'm terrible at these things. Terrible at trivia. Yeah, it was Paddy. Right, so the only man in Northampton history, I think, to take him to uh, three successive relegations. Paddy, Paddy. He was there for six months. I said, Paddy, why did it not work out? He just, he just, he just shrugged his shoulders and said, I just wasn't cut out to do it. Where, anywhere in the world, you'd love to see United play? South America. Yeah, what Boca Juniors away? Imagine that. Imagine United Chile. taking a thousand to Boca away. Yeah. Did you go to Rio? Yeah, but that World Cup Championship that was different. I'd like, I'd like to go it places like though. Argentina. Yeah, yeah, I went to Rio and that, but I'd love to go to Argentina and see his plays Boca and River and that, Chile. And, yeah. That atmosphere like that. in the Maracanã when United played Vasco da Gama. And there's 50,000 of them singing, and we were trying to get the United fans going. It's one of the best moments that, of my life. At the end that. of that final, when we all bought tickets for the final. We didn't get yeah. there, but we went. I went to it, Corinthians. That yeah, was we all went, didn't we? Yeah, a guy pulled a gun out. It was one of the best offs of all time inside a football stadium. Yeah. Corinthians. Oh, told up all the team. Oh, where's that United play? New Zealand. We've not been there yet. New Zealand. Yeah, be a nice place to go. Fucking long way away. <laughs> India, India. United are massively popular there, and the fans would love to see them play there, but they can't afford to bring United there. There's not enough money. It's quite sad, that isn't it? I probably get I probably get more shit off Indian Reds on social media than any other nationality. No idea why, because when I've been there, like really, really friendly. Anyway, that's an aside, sorry. <laughs> Clearly touched a nerve, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Nigel, where'd you like to see United? It's not a one-way answer, it's a two-way answer. Buenos Aires, definitely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Against anybody. Have you ever been to Buenos Aires? No. It's a fucking brilliant place to watch football. Yeah. Not just at Boca and River. You can go to Banfield. One of the best places is San Lorenzo, or Estudiantes just outside. I'm going to speak to Marcus Rojo tomorrow. Right. And I just plan to speak to him about Estudiantes' ultras. The fan culture is so rich. It's just brilliant. John Paul? It's Ferron's gone as Eris president, hasn't he? Is it Ferron? Yeah. I went to see Ferron there last year. Yay, great fella. There's a song about United have got a song about Estudiantes. Go on, sing it. Do you, do you really want me to sing? Yeah. Fast, fast, Cockney Fast always sings it. And so he's not... Bear in mind, Kevin, you might have told me out. It's right. a few years. It's come from 68, obviously, with the yeah. uh, World Club. But it's a studiances. Show us your pants. <laughs> show me the colour. What is it? How's it go? Show me. What's it? Oh, anyway, I've ruined that. But <laughs> it's, it's very good. When he's pissed in a pub, he, he, he goes on and on about his studiances. Brilliant. And, and Juan Veron's dad played, didn't he? I met him last year when I went there. Where would you like to see United play? Well, I think everywhere it's been mentioned. 
but as an experienced traveller, I've been a lot of places anyway. But I think. <laughs> oh, look at yourself, bigging yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> Given that I've probably seen United in more countries than you, Andrew. No, you've not seen United in more countries than me, John Paul. I've always got a, a, one, a one country advantage over him. I remember sending him a text a few years ago from the Falkland Islands just because I knew. United didn't play there. Just because I knew it'd be, it'd be really hard for him to get there. Just thought of him getting it on going, what's no. that bastard doing I've, in the I've Falklands? Seen, I've seen Argentina play in Guatemala City. Yeah. But there's the local team where I've spent a lot of time recently is Antigua. A place called Antigua, just outside Guatemala City. Yeah. And they're called Panza Verdes because of all the avocados they grow with. Panza Verde means uh, green bellies. And uh, if 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 United went to Antigua, I think everyone here would have a great crack because it's a proper party town. Would it be dangerous? Be dangerous for you, perhaps, but you know, <laughs> for anyone who's a uh, you know socially educated person who's got a bit about them, this If you're you're having yourself off as being streetwise here, I once went in a bar in Cartagena, Colombia, with you, right, and with you, me, looked, exactly. you looked around and said you couldn't believe how many women were in there and I said straight away and you've been caught out here look at your expression I said straight away we have walked into a brothel and you were like you were like no you're not no you're not no you're not and it was clear it was a brothel that's how streetwise you are you're fucking clueless I've really enjoyed speaking to you thank you for your time do you remember when we went in the one in Rio hello and Martin Edwards was in there it wasn't called hello it was called help help, help. Ma- Martin Edwards help. Neil Cussis was just on about that before I said not that he was in there not that he was in there Help is like Walking the most famous the brothel. Doors, and Martin Edwards. Andy, Andy, when, Andy, when he, Andy can, you just, can you just say, just be, it seems like you have a propensity to go in brothels on your way. I've been in three in my life, each time with you. So that's, that reflects more ill against you than it does against me. Sure I wanted to go to the local geographical association to study maps. And you just got lost. <laughs> you got way late, so what does that say about your geographical skills? <laughs> you need to go a few more of you. Uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you, I mean that, and to hear so many of your stories about following United uh, for years and years. I'm going to make my way up to the ground now. You, you lads have the luxury of going a, an hour or two later than me. I've got to go and do some writing, but thank you very much. Train from downtown Salt Lake City, a lot further than I thought. It probably took about half an hour to a place called Sandy, where the stadium of Real Salt Lake is located. I'm walking to the stadium in the distance. I can see sunshine on one side of the valley, and we've just come through a storm on the other. I've seen lightning. It's raining, and yet it's really hot. The raining raining's got quite a cooling sensation it's really nice and one I've not experienced before um, walking alongside a real Salt Lake fan on the way to the, to the ground what's your name mate Travis with respect to your club people in Manchester won't know a huge amount uh, about real Salt Lake City can you give us a sort of quick potted history of, of, of the club um, started out as an expansion team in 2005 uh, Went through a couple rough years, weren't all that great. Um, had our, our first ever player, became our head coach and manager, really turned the club around, kind of had a team as the star mentality where it's, you know, you scout good players, you know, that, that aren't the, the big expensive fancy, build a really good chemistry with the team. Uh, went on a great run in 2009, won the cup. Um, set a real precedence for playing good, possession, soccer the next following years uh 
a lot of players have gotten old in our core and had a couple down years, but we're starting to really kind of build it back up. We've got a couple new manager, a new manager this year. Um, they were just trying to get his his stamp on the club, so it's exciting to see the uh, the the progress he's making and the new players are coming in. And it's a it's an exciting time. I feel. Is this a soccer town? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Um, I know a lot, especially with like youth uh, in the region. It's it's become a lot more popular than other sports here. So it's it's growing. What are the average crowds, and how much does it cost for a ticket? Not for tonight, for a, for a normal MLS game. Um, I think tickets usually not the most expensive. I think they're about thirty-five for a, a decent seat. Um, we've been selling out pretty well. I think your stadium holds about twenty thousand. Yeah. So I mean, you usually get a a sellout crowd mostly. Uh, it depends. I know sometimes some of the midweek games might get a little less, but who are your main rivals? Um. It's hard to say. Uh, by region, we have the Colorado Rapids. Um, They're in Denver. Yeah. And how far is Denver from here? Oh, I don't even know. A few hundred miles. Yeah. Um, but passion-wise, I know we've got sport in Kansas City that, you know, it's kind of, there's a good dislike between the fans and, and a lot of the players with them. So. And from here to Kansas, that's still a long way away, no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's America. You live yeah, in a big country. That's how it is. How would you describe Salt Lake City, the actual city? Uh, to someone who's never been and maybe will never come? Uh, I grew up here. I think it's really special. Um, it, it's not a huge city, but I mean, we've got a good metropolitan area, but I mean, a lot of beautiful country, fairly close. You've got, you know, the mountains over there and 20 minutes from anywhere you can be up in the woods and not feel like you're you're close to a big city. So it's it's a special place to me. What do you know about Manchester United? No, quite a bit actually. Um, no, there's a lot of history there. Uh, I follow a lot of the the Premier League and a lot of the stuff about all the clubs over in Europe, so I know a decent amount. I'm really sad Ibrahimovic isn't here, but you know. And how do the Real Salt Lake fans look upon this friendly game as as an exhibition, a chance to see some of the bigger names, or um, are a lot of them not going to be turning up tonight? And will the stadium be full of? Manchester United fans as it was in Los Angeles a couple of days ago? Um, I think you'll probably get a lot of Real fans, but you'll probably get a lot of Real fans who are also Man U fans that'll probably come out rooting for Man U. So. But I think it'll be... I think there's a lot of excitement around it. Um, for a while we had a kind of a motto with our club that was to focus more on trophies, not friendlies. Yeah. Um, and now we've kind of... We've, we had Inter come last year. So we're getting some more of the bigger names right now, which I think is good to just get something exciting for the fans to, to really come and see, you know, the huge stars of the world that, you know, you really don't get. Thank um, you for your time. Yeah, thank you. It's 6 a.m. on the morning after the game. I'm walking down the street in Salt Lake City outside Temple Square. It's about the only time of the day where you can walk down the street where it's not oppressively hot. The sun's starting to rise above the 11,000 feet peaks. Manchester United won the game 2-1. A goal from Henrik Mkhitaryan. And a debut, a first goal in a first start for Romelu Lukaku. Um, I'm going to get the light rail system here, which is really good, to the airport. Only cost $2.50. And seems quite cheap. LA just seems to suck money out of your pocket. It's so expensive, especially with the weak pound. 
and LA's never been cheap anyway. And I'm going back there today to interview several United players. For United we stand. Uh, the first one would be Marcus Rojo, who's a lad I've spoke to loads since he joined the club. And I'm looking forward to speaking to him, talking to him about Argentina and his future. And also Antonio Valencia. I'm going to see uh, Timothy Fosu Mentor as well. So it's, it, I'm, I'm really tired. It's starting to, um, you know, when you travel this much, it, it's, obviously it's great. You know, I'm not complaining about my job. I love it. But it can, it can be full on. And you've got, to, you've got to watch yourself. You've got to make sure that you eat well, that you try and keep yourself fit. Because if you don't, you start to decline pretty quickly. And so my, my movements today, going to LA tomorrow, um, going to Houston to watch the Derby game. And I'm just buying a ticket here for the Metro. As the tram comes behind me, come on, there's a race for me to get it absolutely starving as well please take ticket and receipt that will do me and then the green line to the airport so manchester united um one two one they played against three salt lake city teams um, they changed after every 30 minutes because they've got a game themselves tomorrow night a proper game in, in the mls there's a uh, the tram turning up now it's, it's a lot quieter salt lake than most big American cities. I think there's 1.5 million in the metropolitan area. The streets are, they're not empty, but I've not seen a traffic jam here yet. I'm just walking onto the metro now, so I'm not sure if I'm going to keep talking. And United played play well, you can't read too much into how they, and someone I know on, on the United fan on the, on the metro can't read too deeply into pre-season performances because so many of them over the years have not been an accurate barometer of what's to follow. I think if you watch Jordi Cruyff pre-season we thought that we had Johan Cruyff but there are still indicators. Paul Pogba's looking increasingly confident. We thought Jesse Lingard played well, Henrik Mkhitaryan played well um, and, and, and they won as well. So it's just about building the fitness up. I think we have more accurate reading of where the team's at when they play against Manchester City, Real Madrid, although Lou Van Gaal's team battered Real Madrid in, in 2014 in, in, in Michigan. So, hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I will get you the next podcast from Houston. Uh, there's quite a few good Reds making their way to Houston for the Derby game. Uh, people who've come over from Manchester as well. And hopefully I'll uh, meet some interesting people. And... I'll speak to you now. I'll get some kip as well before I do that. Bye-bye.